Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to help out and do one easy thing, all you gotta do is hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Evidently Apostate. I love you, bud, but I'm cutting your throat. I'm a millwright who specializes in rebuilding natural gas turbines. I run with a very top caliber crew where everyone has a role to fill. My role is overseeing anything that's lifted with a crane. My technical title is Rigger. If a load fails, it's my fault. If someone gets hurt while I'm in control of a lift, it's my fault. If equipment is damaged while I'm in control of a lift, it's my fault. The incident in question happened about two years ago, but we'll need to go back a couple years farther to get the backstory. I was a fresh member of the crew and had demonstrated competency in rigging, so after roughly six months with this group, my superintendent put me in charge of all rigging. I wasn't the fastest rigger, but I was safety focused and insisted on doing it right every time. Even if it took a little longer, this meant that my superintendent didn't have to watch over every rigging task and could go relax because I had it under control. Another millwright joined the crew about the same time I did, we'll call him Larry. We didn't get along at first, but after a few months we became friends. Larry was the act now, think later type, much like the superintendent I travel under. Larry was prone to making mistakes because of that attitude, but he was very fast and worked like a mule at all times. And I respected that. He wasn't especially skilled in any one area, so he had no special position. That meant sometimes he'd get put on less glamorous work. And I soon learned he was very jealous of my position as the rigger. At times, he would make comments like, I'm gonna take your job. Not in getting me fired, but bumping me down a rung and him taking my spot as a rigger. He'd come up behind me while I was looking over my checklists to point out something I may not have checked yet. If supervision was near, he'd make sure he was heard. At this point, I should mention this. I stuck out like a sore thumb on this crew. I was raised in a very strict Christian cult, but in my mid-twenties I realized what was going on and left at great cost. Losing my family and friends because of strict shunning rules the cult practices. Some of the stricter things stuck with me, like I've never been intoxicated, I don't use tobacco, no recreational drugs. I speak professionally without slang or colloquialisms for the most part. These traits stick out from a crew of men that travel the road and work in harsh environments away from home for months on end. But Larry, he fits right in. Larry quickly became the superintendent's puppy, bringing him gifts of his favorite alcohol, staying out late after work with him, even rooming with him on the road. I, on the other hand, leave work, hit the gym, cook my food for the next day, and made sure I get at least six hours of sleep so I can perform the next day. I realize that puts me at a disadvantage socially in the workplace, but I prefer to let my work speak for itself. Anyways, fast forward about 18 months. We're starting a project just before COVID hits. About two weeks into the job, I have to attend a mandatory class through my union. 
It's a 40-hour class and in a different state, so I'll be gone for pretty much an entire week with travel time. I get permission from supervision and leave with Larry rigging in my absence. A few days later, I'm laying in bed stressing about the final test I have to take the next morning. If the test isn't passed, the entire week is wasted. I always psych myself out before a test, but in reality I don't have anything to worry about as I am a good student and test well. My phone goes off, it's a text from Larry. I love you bud, but I'm cutting your throat. I reply, what are you talking about? When you get back, I'll be the rigger. You can do the crap work from now on. I'm not proud of the response I came back with, but it's how I truly felt in the moment. Be careful about cutting the throat of someone smarter than you. I'm far from the smartest person you'll ever meet, but I do enjoy reading, studying, and learning. And being smarter than Larry wasn't an accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination. The next morning, I passed the test and headed back to the job where Larry had in fact usurped my position as rigor and was lording it over me as I went about doing the tasks he normally would do. To be completely honest, it was kind of like a vacation at first. Get paid nearly $40 an hour to clean parts or torque flanges with no stress? Sign me up. But I was upset. I was upset because I knew I did my job better than he would. I knew that he got along better with the superintendent because of their similar personalities, but I didn't feel that I should lose my position simply because Larry had more in common with our superintendent than I did. Regardless of that, I was now dealt these cards and I had to play them. Just three days after I got back from class though, the job was shut down. COVID-19 was now sweeping the country. Out of an abundance of caution, the plan shut the project down until further notice. We were sent home for about three days and then called out to an emergency shutdown where a turbine had crashed. We roll out and are on the job 48 hours later in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. We get right to work. On this particular unit, you pull the entire roof off in two sections with a crane to open the enclosure. Compared to many things we lift in a project like this, the roof weighs very little. The turbine rotor may weigh over 100,000 pounds, but the roof usually weighs around 7,000 pounds. Lightweight. But it is large and there are critical parts around the roof that can be damaged if not lifted carefully. Typical procedure is to be on top of the roof after it's unbolted, be in a full body harness, and tied off to an approved anchor point capable of holding at least 5,000 pounds per OSHA regulations. We then slowly take the weight off the roof with the crane until it's floating and then climb down off of it and continue the lift until it's set on the ground or on a truck to be moved. The superintendent instructs me to go on the roof with Larry and assist him. Do whatever Larry tells you to do. Okay, boss. I put on my harness and climb to the top and begin to assess the situation. The rigging to lift the roof is four five-ton chainfalls. It's capable of safely holding 20 tons well over the weight of the roof. The crane's also well overrated for this lift, even with the boom extended all the way out in order to clear another building on the way to the ground. Larry has it all rigged up, but no tension on the wire rope slings. And then I notice his crucial mistake. He has forgot to account for boom deflection. When a crane takes the weight of the load, the boom flexes down. Depending on the crane setup and the weight of the load, it can mean that while your crane hook might be centered in your load with no weight on the hook, once you get the weight of the load on the crane, the crane hook could be anywhere from a few inches to a number of feet off center. 
which means that when the load comes off the ground, it swings. Swinging is bad. Always. Enough weight swinging could tip the crane, crash into equipment, crash into a person. It's very dangerous. At this point, I start calculating. Is this weight enough, even swinging, to tip the crane? No, not even close. Is it enough to break a chain fall? No, not even close. Are there any people working around us that could get hurt? Nope, it's just us. Is there any equipment that could be damaged if it swings? Yes, an electrical control panel, which has all the power killed to it and has been disconnected, is in the swing path. I decide to let Larry hang himself. He looks at me and asks what I think. I tell him, this is your show, boss. He asks what I mean. I look him in the eye and draw my finger across my throat. He gets nervous because he knows exactly what I mean. Starts double-checking everything. He still doesn't notice the boom deflection. After a couple minutes, he decides I must be talking out of my butt and proceeds with the lift. I stop him and remind him to tie off with his harness. He doesn't realize it, but we're about to go for a ride. Generally, when I'm rigging, I first find out what the thing I'm rigging to weighs. It's a vital piece of information. If I know what it weighs, I can have the crane operator track how much he has on the crane, and I'll be able to know when the object should start to pick up. If we get to over 10% more than the object should weigh, there may be something stopping it from moving, and we need to stop and reassess the situation. Rigging could fail, the object you're lifting could jump into the sky. All kinds of mayhem may ensue if a hidden bolt holding something together breaks because you use too much force to lift it. I ask Larry if he knows how much the roof weighs. He doesn't. I do, but don't tell him. He starts signaling the crane to slowly hoist up. The operator complies and starts lifting. I'm watching the boom get pulled more and more off center. We're probably two feet from the center of the load at this point meaning a swing that could travel nearly four feet. I stop Larry and ask him to see how much weight's on the crane. 11,000 pounds, 4,000 more than what it should weigh. This roof's in a bind because we're not picking it straight up, but at an angle. It's either not going to move or we're about to fly. I brace myself. I stop slowly, Larry calls over the radio. Boom! The whole roof shoots a good two feet in the air and swings wildly towards the control panel. Larry and I are riding it like pirates in the crow's nest in a hurricane. We crash into the control panel, bending it over at a 45 degree angle, destroying most of its components. People start pouring out of nearby trailers to see what the commotion's all about. The crane operator's yelling over the radio, asking what the heck just happened. I'm smiling, Larry is shaking, he sees me smiling and knows that I knew. We get the roof set on the ground and are met by our superintendent. He's chewing Larry's butt hard. He gets to me and asks why I let it happen. I just say, I just did what Larry told me to do. The superintendent is no dummy. He's seen a thing or two and knows exactly what went down. Larry is demoted and I'm reinstalled as rigor immediately. And a few shifts later, it's all smoothed over. Larry and I are actually good friends now. We've been through a lot together and have each other's backs these days. He's now the foreman in our crew and lets me do my thing. Feeling your way to the top is still a valid way of progressing in my field, but I'm happy for him. He's actually good at it. And I guess that's all there is to say about that. All I know is reading this story kind of reaffirms how uninterested I am in doing any kind of work in that field. When you're picking up and moving and potentially swinging things that weigh multiple tons, 
I'm like, you know what? These experts are experts for a reason. I'm going to go drive a mile away and let them do it. If you were in OP shoes on that roof and you know that you could let Larry mess up, they'd get demoted, you'd get your job back, you'd get back at them. But the cost is causing that damage and swinging around on this roof in the air. Would you still personally go through with it? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Chehalem Frog, my brilliant, maliciously compliant daughter. It is hard to match the malicious compliance of a teenage girl. I'm my daughter's biggest fan. She's a skateboarder on the robotics team, is learning not one but two additional languages, and gets good grades. She's so cool. She doesn't get it from me, and certainly not from her dad who's also a huge dork. During the holidays, we typically have all kinds of jars of pickles and olives left over from parties or family dinners because the tradition in my family is a relish tray. Basically, a collection of olives, different types of pickles, and other preserved foods all arranged in a pleasing way on a fancy dish. Since I don't pickle things like my mother or grandmother, I end up buying a lot of small jars of various things to use. We don't usually keep olives around, so in our house, they're a special thing associated with holidays or parties. Like most kids I've seen, my daughter loves olives, I still do, and on more than one occasion I've caught her eating them straight out of the jar with her fingers. Not a huge deal, but with hygiene on the mind, I kept asking her to stop doing that. I'd prefer if she dumped them in a bowl or plate or something. So just the other day, I come into the kitchen and she's standing in front of the open fridge with her back to me and I can see the open jar of pimento stuffed green olives in her hand. Sweetness, I've asked you several times to stop eating olives out of the jar with your fingers. She says, but mom, I'm using chopsticks. She locks eyes with me and without breaking eye contact, uses the chopsticks to fish out another olive and pop it in her mouth. She had taught herself to use chopsticks just because. What can I do? She's too cool. Honestly, I think this is an adorable story. OP's just clearly so proud of their kid. That said, and I don't know if this is controversial, but I hate olives. Like, they're okay as like an additive on a pizza, maybe. But to me, personally, eating like a whole green olive out of the jar is so off-putting. And our final story of the day, whose title reads like a really weird Harry Potter book, is by goral 60 Luck, My Boss and the Lactose Intolerant Boob. I was a grill chef in a big pub in Brighton, UK. We were incredibly busy one Saturday, and therefore my boss came into the kitchen to lend a hand, plating up, sorting the tickets, etc. We sent up some chocolate cake and ice cream in the food lift, along with a bunch of other puds for a big table that had already been irritating. Oh, can you ask the chef not to put too much mayonnaise in my burger? A little's fine, but not too much. Kind of annoying. How much did you think I was going to put in? Do you want to just freaking come and put it on yourself, hen? It's a burger in a pub. Behave. The ice cream and cake is sent back down, and a waitress rushes in to say that the woman can't have ice cream because she's lactose intolerant, and it's actually touching the chocolate cake. My boss is stressed and cuts more cake and sends it up. About 10 minutes later, we're getting ahead of the orders, and he just says, I'll be right back. According to eyewitnesses, he runs up to the table and snatches the chocolate cake from the woman. But you're lactose intolerant, he says very loudly, drawing all attention at the table to her. I can't let you eat this. It's chocolate cake. It's got cream in the icing and butter. But, 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 I'm sure I'll be fine, she says. Oh, you aren't lactose intolerant? They say, well...
So he just stared at her and put the bowl down and walked away. If you don't like ice cream, just say you don't like ice cream. My friend is genuinely lactose intolerant, and if any passes his lips, he poops for three days solid and loses a stone. You're just a fussy, annoying person. I think the confusing thing to me is if they didn't like the ice cream at all, are they just being overly picky that the ice cream touched the cake? Are they like, oh, it's marginally soggy now, I don't want this chocolate cake. I definitely feel bad for people working in food service when a really picky people come by and they aren't just upfront about it. If you're going to want something specific, why wait until after they delivered it to ask for it, like they were just going to somehow know? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all three of these stories that I've read for you today, which one was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 